but our hearts and our minds belong to the one who started all of history, the one who is in the midst of all of history, and the one who will consummate it in his return when Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, returns and ushers in the new era of the kingdom of God in its completion, in its fullness, in its perfection. We will have reached our goal, reached our destination. Our hearts will be satisfied as with the, the taste of good food. Our hearts will be at peace. No more worries, no more sorrows. And our ability to love the Lord and to love one another will be of other perfection. No more selfishness. No more pride. The only thing that makes our hearts beat will be to see Jesus face to face and to see our brothers and sisters worshiping that same God, that same Jesus together. In joy, we will be singing. In joy, we'll be learning. In joy for all of eternity, we will be at peace with the Lord and with one another. In this passage, Jesus speaks to his disciples who are speaking about the temple and was looking at the temple and they were seeing how it was adorned, how beautiful it was. And Jesus looks at the temple and says, there will be a day where every stone will be thrown down. There will be a day when this temple is no more. He goes on to say there will be a day when there will be wars and tumults. And if we go through all of chapter 21, he, he talks about the wars and he talks about um, the, the destruction of Jerusalem. He talks about all these signs and wonders of destruction of what will happen before he returns. And if we read these passages, we have to ask ourselves the question of whether or not we as God's people can look out into this world and see the signs that we are living in the end times. We are living in the final chapter of history. Now, before you get too scared and before you go out and sell everything or before you go hide in the closet, let me give you some perspective of what we mean by we live in the end times. You see, scripture is a book of history. And within scripture, there are different epics or parts of redemptive history. This history is an interpretive history. It's a history interpreted by God himself, but it's the only authoritative interpretation. It's not an interpretation by man. It's not an interpretation um, by scholars. 
It's not interpretation by children. It's interpretation by God about what is true and what history means. We call this redemptive history, the history of redemption, how God has acted in this world to save people. The beginning of history was creation, Genesis chapter 1. The next part of redemptive history was the fall of humanity in Genesis chapter 3. But then Genesis chapter 3, all the way until, until the coming of Christ, we, we start the history of redemption. God's promises, God's covenants with, with, with people like Noah, with Abraham, with Moses, with, with uh, David. And these promises that God had made to these people were fashioned so that the people of God understood that God had a plan to save people to save them for their sins, to prepare them to understand that there's going to be a king one day, to prepare them to understand that there needs to be a sacrifice one day, to prepare them to understand in this history of redemption that someone needs to speak true words one day. And the culmination of this redemptive history came in the person of Jesus Christ himself. It's in Jesus and his coming that we come to the apex of history. For he is the fulfillment of what God had planned in the Old Testament. And he himself is the true king who rules. He himself is a true priest who not only offers a sacrifice, but he himself is the sacrifice. And he's a true prophet. He's the only one who spoke the very, very words of God. After Jesus' death and his resurrection, redemptive history continues with the period of the apostles in the period of, of Paul, the last of the apostles. As they spoke the words of God into being, into the scriptures that we have today. These acts of redemption that we see in scripture, these acts of redemption that we see in history, we understand now that there is only one act of history left. That's it, just only one act to be seen. I I didn't get permission from from my brother Paul to use him as a as a um, illustration. But I'm going to do so anyway. <laughs> uh, I was asking Paul, you know, have you about the movie, the 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 TV series, The Mandalorian, on Netflix? And he's a big Star Wars guy, and I asked him, have you seen the the the, the season one? And he says to me, I've seen the whole season except for the last episode. <laughs> Why haven't you seen the last episode? He goes, I don't want to, I don't want to see the ending yet. <laughs> no spoilers, Justin. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't want to see the last episode. I don't want to see the ending. We, we are living, if we can use that as an analogy, we're living in a time where there's simply one episode left in all of history. And then the second season is simply all of eternity. This is what it means that we live in the end times. That since the death of all the apostles, the completion of scripture, from that point forward, all of humanity is waiting for simply for Christ to return.
and the signs abound around us. Now, all too often, we as humanity take these signs too literally, believing that we live in a time where we are seeing the worst of all of humanity. You look at our history today, you look at the COVID-19 and you say, this is the plague that scripture is talking about. You look at, at the wars that are going around the earth and you go, this is the wars that God is talking about. You look at the tumult, you look at the destructions of, of hurricanes and, you, and people say, this is the destruction that God has been talking about. But if we take a step back and we simply look at history from the, let's just say, from the time that the apostles and that generation faded away till now, there have always been wars. There's always been plagues. There's always been times that are actually worse than today. And every generation believed that that was the time where God would come back. And they waited. But the Lord has yet to return. So if we look at the scripture, that the question is that, is scripture wrong? Is scripture wrong when he says, all of these terrible events will happen, then Jesus will come? Well, we've seen many terrible events, and Jesus has yet to return. But the point here in the Olivet Discourse is not for us to know the day or the time. The point of the Olivet Discourse is for us to understand, okay? Is for us to understand that we are living in a period of time where we are going to see more and more and understand more and more the fallen nature and sinfulness of all of humanity. And then when we are able to read the signs and see the fallenness and the brokenness of all of humanity, our hearts begin to long for the final chapter of history. Brothers and sisters, can you read the signs? What is the purpose of COVID-19? There's, there's many purposes. What, were, what was the purpose of all the wars that we have seen? What was the purpose of monsoons and typhoons that wiped out many, many people in, in Indonesia and in South Asia? It is for us to understand that this world is completely and utterly broken. For us to understand and to know that there will come a time in the future when God's moral judgment upon all people will come. And it is for us to be humble and in prayer, 
long for the Lord's return. This is why if you look at verse 34 to 37 in the same past, the same chapter, it says, stay awake at all times, praying that you have, that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. When we see the world going the way it is, the response of us as believers is not to shake our heads, it's not to throw up our hands, but it's to pray and pray first and mostly for ourselves that our faiths may be strong, that we would not be discouraged by all the tumult around us and to pray for a world that they too may see Christ, that God may have mercy upon them. This is an apt passage for us today. And the, 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 the application is very simple for all of us is to go before the Lord during this time of destruction and to continue to pray for ourselves and pray for this world. When you watch the news and, and we as human beings, we, we watch the news not for good feeling, good stories, but we watch the news for terrible stories. As you watch those news and hear those terrible stories, don't think to yourself, I'm glad it's not me. Don't think to yourself, wow, poor people. But at the core of your heart, think for yourself, God is going to come back soon. I don't know when. But this is a sign for all of us, especially for me, to continue to repent and to follow our Lord. Jesus goes on in verses 5 through 8 to, to issue a warning to the church. Listen to what he says in, verses, in verse 8. He said, See that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and, that, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place. But the end will not be at once. There's, there's a warning here for you and for me. There will be people who will come in history pretending to be the Messiah, Jesus himself. Coming down pretending to be Jesus in the flesh who has come to save the people. And Jesus says, be careful about these. These are not sent by my father, but these are people sent by the evil one to lead people astray. Now we live in the modern world and these types of charlatans in terms of people saying the end of the world is coming, I'm Jesus the second, second coming, it's not as prevalent as it used to be. These types of people were prevalent at the end of the 19th century, end of the 20th century. 
and we see we've we've seen these in history. We've seen churches like the, the like the Church of of Mormon. We've seen the Seventh Day Adventists to to an extent. There's a sect in from Sweden called Swedenborg, Swedenborg and, and the man who who, re, who founded it says that he's the second coming of Christ, and he's written all these fabulous books and saying this is the book, of, this is the scriptures above the Bible, and that you must all read it and understand. All of these sort of Christian sects came out, or many of them came out, because they believed that Jesus was coming, and some prophet came and said, I am he who has come to bring you salvation. And Jesus says to us, be wary of them. Do not listen to them. Now, for some of us here who who may be at this church for the very first time, I may say to you, Pastor Young, why are you so judgmental about other religions? My response is simply here in this passage. Jesus himself was the most critical person of the church and the most critical person of false teachers and false religions. We who follow Jesus are simply following Jesus in our hearts long to follow him above all else. Now today, we don't have people telling us that there is a second coming, that they are the, the, the Jesus who has come in the flesh. In our modern world, especially here in the States, the, the, the danger is, is the other way. You don't see many people believing that the end of the world is coming. You see people simply living in complacency, not thinking beyond their own thoughts and their, and their own world. And they live, whatever comes, comes. Whatever may come, whatever may be, so be it. I will live my day the way I will live my day. And they have no time for religion, no time to think about history, no time to think about today or tomorrow or the end times, just, sorry, tomorrow or the end times, just to, they just simply think about the day and simply live for the day. This is dangerous as well. For we either live for ourselves, God tells us, or we seek out other prophets or other people to tell us how to live. But you, my brothers and my sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, we know in the, in, in the Matthew story of the Olivet Discourse, Jesus tells us no one knows the day or the time, nobody that we should not be concerned with trying to, to read the times of the day and try to discern the exact moment Jesus will return. We know that in Revelation, it tells us that when Jesus returns, you'll know it. There'll be no question about it. He will come and he will announce himself 
no one will look around and say, what's going on? No one will look around and be doubtful and say, is this fake news or what? What's, what's the interpretation of what's happening right now? There will be none of that. When Jesus comes, Jesus comes. When Jesus comes, all of humanity will know that this is the final day. And so, brothers and sisters, watch your life well. Live out the grace that God has given you. Live out the faith and live a life of repentance and joy in him. Fight to love your brothers and sisters and to love this world around us. Be able to read the world well and to have sober judgment and prayerful prayers. Let us live the life that God has given to us. We are living in the second to last chapter of all of history. There's only one more chapter to be written. What a joy it is to know, brothers and sisters, that our God will come back soon and that he will make all the wrongs right and that we will live in peace with him and with one another forever and ever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Father, we confess to you that when we see the world around us, for many of us, Lord, who the, the life of the world that we see now is probably the worst that we've ever seen it in our lifetime, Lord God. And it's overwhelming to us, Lord God. For some of us who are older, Lord, we, we've seen other things as well. But Lord, we, we often look at the world through our own eyes and we get discouraged. Lord, help us, Lord, not to be discouraged of what is happening, but help us instead to acknowledge that you yourself have prophesied that this is what the world will look like until you return. Give us, Lord, holy sadness and grief. But also, Lord, give us hope in knowing that you will return and make things right. And in the meanwhile, Lord, help us all to pray and to pray earnestly and look first in our own hearts, in our own salvation, Lord God. Will we be ready when you call us? Will we be ready to affirm that we love you, that you love us? Oh, Lord, many of our hearts are very stubborn, very stubborn towards you. And so, Lord, break our hearts that we may all be ready and prepared for the day that you return. 
Lord, bless our church. Help this church, Lord, to, to love unceasingly you and one another. Teach us, Lord, to prepare each other, Lord, uh, to live in this last days, Lord God. To be able to love this world that is in tumult and to love our church and to love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.